so I thought it'd be funny because it's like the Dacia Sendero of our podcast, you know? Um, anyways. The Honda pilot? <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. Un- that's, that's unfortunately, good. I don't have a pilot story. Okay. Although one did try to run me off the road the other day. I was like, God, goddamn pilots! <laughs> anyways, um, the RAV4 is a car, as we discussed. <laughs> it exists as a vehicle that has four wheels. It exists. It runs. Um, so I was, I was, it is hilariously unaerodynamic. I mean, even more than it appears to be, mm-hmm. it's, it seems very, like, let your foot off the gas on the highway and she's like, mm-hmm. and it's like really bad. Um, so I was just, I was bored because I was in Cincinnati and, um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, fine. It's, it's Ohio. Fine. It's how, fine. how great could it be? It's fine. I have to, I have family that lives in Ohio, so I can't actually say this out loud, but I really hate does anyone like Ohio? I don't know. They, they live Ohio? there. They've been living there for like 15 years. Uh, I don't know why. It's better than Cleveland. I'll it's, say that. It's, Anyways. It's better than New Jersey. Um, no. There are things to do in New Jersey. I go to New York. <laughs> Burn. Um, anyways, I was. I did. I decided to do some very bland googling to see if there's any like information on google about the aerodynamics of the of the RAV4 surprisingly a couple of articles about it one written by some like fluid dynamicist who like okay who has he like he bought his he bought one for his kid or something like that i can't remember exactly Is it how the same it started generation? yeah yes exact same generation that's the funny but like not only the same generation two different good articles about that year Wow. Okay. That motor, like <laughs> the four cylinder, right? Yeah. The four yeah, cylinder. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the first one was written by some engineer who had that and like um, a newer Acura, the, bi- the big one, TL, whatever. What the sedan? The sedan or SUV? Yeah, the, the sedan. The sedan is the TL. Yeah. TL. Yeah. So yeah, he somehow had drag coefficients for both of the vehicles, and it's literally double. Really? Okay, for the Rav Four, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally double. And he was like, "What's the deal?" Basically, he went underneath the car, and there's just no underjay. Yeah, through the oh, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So like, there's I don't even think there's inner fender. So there's just nothing. No, I mean there are I'm fender sure, liners in sure the front, liner, but yeah. here I will I have and I will continue to always speculate that the Rav Four was the vehicle that Toyota forgot about. Mm-hmm. Like, they I don't, I don't even know why it exists really because they've had the Highlander for some years now. Yeah. They didn't when the RAV4 began production, it obviously. Was, it was small when it came out, like a first-gen CRV. Yeah, was, but like the one that you have is the year what? It's a 2012. 2012. 2012. Which is the worst of them all. I will... Sure. Because, all right, so that, that one Toyota mm-hmm. has the cooling system where the reservoir is built into the pressurized system, right? So uh, it's not like, oh, it's not like no. the cap is on the radiator, as yeah. all other Toyotas are. Yeah, it has a like a screw-on cap on the reservoir, mm-hmm. more like what a Chevrolet would have. Yeah, my Saturn's had that. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So, and on top of that, the suspension is way too firm for what the vehicle is. The seats are made of marble, might as well be. Um, They're not the worst. They are the worst. You don't ride it's in a Rav Four. You ride on a Rav Four. I'll give you. I mean, okay. I am. It's 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 comparing two ends of the spectrum for me because the GTI seat like I've said before mm. is literally the most comfortable car seat I've ever sat in Okay, in my opinion it fits me well right. I don't know yeah. but the RAV4 is like it's 
fine. It's not for me. It's fine. It's not very. It's not bad. I the my mom has a twenty eleven, I think Volvo SUV, and XC, I XC sixty. And that car, that seat is terrible. I hate really? it. Really? Yeah. Well, it's probably got 13 airbags in it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. That's fair. It probably weighs 9,000 pounds. Yeah. But anyways, I don't like that seat at all. But Is it leather? Yeah. Yeah, that's... I don't... I'm, I'm, just, I've never been comfortable like, in a leather seat. Any, any slippery. leather seat. But... Well, and they're always hot, too. But I'm a hot-natured person anyways. But for me, it's not bad. I mean, I've driven it back and forth to Cincinnati three times. The RAV4, you're saying? Yeah, the RAV4. Yeah. Okay. And it's not... It's not good. Maybe it's no, just broken it's, in at this point. Maybe. It's got 100,000 miles on it, so... I don't know. Possibly. I've been in RAV4s with more miles that just... I mean... we. So when I was working at the import shop, we I, I worked on at least three different RAV4s that came in with complaints of the shocks like being blown mm-hmm. because they were riding so uncomfortably, and we just had to be like, nah, that's... This is that's stock, man. This mm-hmm. is the way it is. Sorry. It's just the way it is. Things uh, will never be the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Ah! <laughs> so, uh, but so so this so that and the cooling system thing and like you said, there's no undercarriage mm-hmm. aerodynamics at all. Yeah. Um, which is weird because even like the Highlanders and like even the Corollas mm-hmm. all have some sort of undertray. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then, I mean, just the cheap, like, the crappy, crappy interiors that they have, it just makes me believe that they either outsourced it to, like, somebody Pakistan else. Yeah. or something that we're just like, well, let's fill this quote-unquote hole that we have in our lineup that they don't actually really have. I mean, it Because is they've got the CHR now, too. Oh, that's so, like, I mean, but, okay, but then on, so, like, between the CHR... And the Highlander, which is now like a full-size SUV, the new Highlander the new is huge. absolutely massive. It's ugly and it's terrible. I don't know if it's. I kind of like how it looks, but it's way too big. It is and the Sequoia big. is enormous. It's jive freaking enormous. Yeah, it doesn't. It's, I'm trying really hard not to swear too. By the way, what's the the Nissan one? The Armada. Yeah, that's the big SUV. I know that is. I know it's roughly the same size as a Sequoia, but because the panels are so flat on it, it looks way bigger just from the proportions. Mm-hmm. Well, what crazy. blows my mind is that they both even still have the same like um, interior capacity as a a, a Chevrolet um, Tahoe. Yeah. Which I mean, to look at them side by side, you'd think like the Tahoe is like, oh my god, it's so much bigger. But not nah, man, they're the same. Yeah. Somehow they yeah. made it all the same yeah. size. I don't know if they're and wider or what. The the rear seats in a Sequoia are fine. Third yeah. row. Mm-hmm. Third row for adults is like I've never been in one. Not bad at all. My, my I mean in the third seat, but my boss has one. Yeah. It's great. A new one? Yeah, one of the new ones. Okay. It's got like er new? I don't know. I don't know what year it is. It's relatively new because the first gen Sequoias were actually a great car. Mm-hmm. The the uh, like kind of taller square ones. Sequoias are pretty decent. Well, the, I mean, well, the first gen. I mean, I, I favor the first gens because they were not so freaking huge, but they still came with like a really nice power plant. Wasn't the four point seven and a really good. Well, say. but they did the five point. They had the two UZ later on. No, was it the three? It, was, or the it's, two? it started Man, out. I'm with sorry, a, I'm butchering this. But it started out with the two UZ, the four point seven, and mm-hmm. then they went to the five seven. The five, that. yeah, the five point seven. They did the bigger motor later on later in the on. first generation. Yeah, you I, could get. The five point seven. I believe so. I think it's. Yeah, like I know. After, you, I know so. I think it's after oh, 
like oh nine. Yeah. No, I know so because the difference. Well, but no, but it does matter because the four point seven is an anemic V eight. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. But the In difference is something big, like yeah. thirty five or forty horsepower. Yeah. And like forty fifty torque. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Between it's, that and the V six. Yeah. No, no, and the the four point seven and the five point seven. 5.7 is is quite a bit more stout. I think the 4.7 is like in the is like 260 270 horsepower, mm-hmm. and I think the 5.7 is like well into the 300. Yeah, that's one. But that's what I'm saying is that the difference between the 4.7 and the 5.7 is significant. So when the yes, yes. when the first gen CRV, I'm sorry, CRV, where did that come Sequoia. from? The first gen Sequoia was new. It was okay, but it wasn't great. But when they did put this 5.7 in the first gen Sequoia, that was the best one, yeah, for sure. So and it still like had like the four piston front brakes. It still had all like the running, the the um, tundra running gear. It was um, it was basically a forerunner. It was like an extended four. It was like yeah, it was an extended forerunner. That's why frame. I like the idea of the forerunner with the V eight because it's a much smaller vehicle with that same drive. I mean, yeah, but it's still like a shorter vehicle. It's a short wheelbase. It's the forerunner is a good car. I'm not gonna say the forerunner is a bad car because that's false. It's all of the forerunners are fantastic. <laughs> But I don't know that I would really want to tow a lot with a 4Runner. Like, I would do it from time to time, but the wheelbase, the short wheelbase is what kills it. Yeah. And you're talking about towing with an Xterra, which is... I was talking about towing with an Xterra. And the only reason I was humoring Ryan tonight was because it was real cheap and manual. I just wanted to submit also that the last time I was on this podcast, which was like five or 18 episodes ago, uh, <laughs> the CRV wasn't running properly after I had fixed it from breaking down on the side of the highway. This is the 18th episode. Continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I replaced the igniter and the uh, coil, which mm-hmm. I mentioned, and then it was running poorly when I went to drive it the first time after I had done so. What had happened was that when I removed the distributor cap, I had broken, like, it it had cracked, uh, where, like, one of the ignition leads went in. So it was just leaking spark. Yeah, the cap, cap, yeah. So that was like a $12 repair, and it's running fine now for anybody who cares, and anybody's been following. No, no, that's... I just listened to that episode again, um, like, two days ago. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, ah, nobody knows. I gotta tell them. They're gonna be worried. Continue. I mean, that was the end. Okay, fair enough. The CRV uh, runs again. So you were Still needs a timing belt. So you were one of our two listeners yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but that was <clears throat> that was like three episodes ago. So yeah. Is that all you had to say about the CRV? Was the yeah. Other the, than um, no, that's it. You need a timing belt. Yeah, still, still. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't done that yet. I won't do that probably ever. Because it's not gonna, it's not gonna last much longer. It's an automatic, and those transmissions are not known for being particularly very good. Mm-hmm. It's already even before I started off-roading it, it was bad. It was what? not good. Question. So now it's just even worse. If the automatic transmission does go out on that, would you do a manual swap? No, God no. No. If I did anything, I would put another automatic in it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even sure I do that honestly, because it's just an all-wheel drive, um, which means I'd have to drop the front subframe. Mm. At least a little bit, and right now, because of where I work, oh, I got a new job at since the last. Did you want to um, say where you work? No, you, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't. I don't. Think I got a new job since the last time I've been on this podcast. Much um, better job. A much better job. Yeah. I was, uh, but I was gonna but, ask but you liked it. they don't. We'll talk about that later. 
we'll, we'll do a whole thing about that later. Okay. But they don't allow me to work on my own car, really. Uh, okay. Like, I can do, like, an oil change or something quick. Yeah. After hours. But anything that has to stay on the lift for a while is, like, kind of like, nah. It's a real tight shop. It's real small. Um, really? And they're, I mean, max volume. Like, yeah. like hot water heater explosion due to the outlet not being big enough volume yeah. of cars going through that shop. So yeah. they just cannot afford anything being on the lift longer than a sure. couple hours. So. so have you heard anything from uh, Bobby Vaughn and Folo yeah. recently? Yeah, so we did the paint correction workshop, I want to say four weeks ago, maybe mm-hmm. maybe five at this point. Um, and I learned a lot. I was really more of a, um, like I spy sponsored through Free Candy. Yeah. Uh, Free Candy sponsored the event. Mm-hmm. But I was really more of like I was really there to learn because I don't I don't do detail. I'm not sure, patient enough sure. for like washing my car and I don't crap. Think any like of that. us are. Yeah, <laughs> any of the three of us. But <laughs> Bob, that's what Bobby cars. is actually into. Like yeah, that's Bobby. how he got started into cars was like detailing and washing his cars and stuff and learning about how to do it correctly and buffing and like cutting in and all these other things. I learned a ton at that workshop. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, he he brought in a hood from um, was it? Yeah. Um, and it was in rough shape. It had been sitting out behind some other dude's like garage or shed or whatever for a while. And it was, I mean, it was oxidized. Um, there were portions where the clear coat was like completely gone. So like he showed us how to like, I mean, he just showed us everything. He showed us how to like, how to tell when the clear coats like starting to cut out and like how long you need to spend on doing different things. And I learned that apparently you don't want... Like, everybody talks about clay barring their vehicle, right? I see it all the time on the Cars and Coffee Facebook group. Something about clay barring this or clay barring that. I've done it one time under supervision of Mitchell. Apparently, you don't want to do it more than one time, really. Yeah, on something it pulls that's, off all the real fine. Well, that's what it does. It literally cuts the clear coat down or off um, to where the scratch isn't there anymore. Like, you're literally taking away a layer mm. of clear coat or paint, whatever, like if it's single stage paint. Yeah. Um, so that's like, he, you know, I, I don't know. I thought that was something that some people did like every weekend, oh, but no, nah, man, this is, this is something that you want to do like maybe one time per paint job. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to paint my car. I don't, I, don't th- <laughs> I don't think it's that infrequently, but it's not something that you do regularly yeah. for sure. And like, and like if the car has been taken care of with proper waxing and washing previously, it's not something that you should ever have to do. Correct. Which I also didn't know. Mm. So yeah, it was super educational for me. It was a really good workshop and I'm really looking forward to whatever he comes up with the next for the next yeah. thing. Um, but unfortunately he has not made any more progress in finding a new, like finding a location mm-hmm. to host the full love, like actual garage. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Well, if, he, if he's listening to this, we're all pulling for you, buddy. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Uh, what were you looking up? I was gonna wait till Jordan came back, but yeah. there's this YouTube video called "America's Iron Giants" uh, by this YouTube channel called Machine Thinking, which is a really great YouTube channel about um, kind of the the history of um, of precision in manufacturing. Okay. And so it kind of kind of starts with the um, the interchangeable parts of the Winchester rifles. Uh, Winchester rifle, Remington rifle, one of the two. I forget, I forget. But um, basically, like 
it, it's it's super fascinating YouTube channel. I actually met the guy that runs it. Uh, he hmm. his name I think his name is Will. Yeah, yeah. We'll wait till he he gets back. Um, I see. I was going to talk about this YouTube channel, and I met the guy that runs it. Um, at that conference I went to in, back in November, and I forget his name all of a sudden. I think it was Will. I sat next to him and talked to him for a couple minutes. But anyways, I it's Will or Adam. I can't remember his name. Big Puppy's really confused as to why that puppy's down here right now. He's not allowed. Should be fine. She, you're right. I'm sorry. So, this YouTube channel. Yeah. Machine Thinking. Okay. I met the guy that runs it. I cannot think of his name right now. Um, it's not on YouTube anymore? It's not. It's, oh. it, the, the channel name is just Machine Thinking. He does videos about the history of precision in manufacturing. Going back to, I think it was the Remington rifle days with like the interchangeable parts, and they were like the first company to do that and all this mm-hmm. stuff. They made a vi- he made a video called America's Iron Giants, and it's all about the history of this one manufacturing process where basically... In World War II, we were fighting the Germans. Uh, we recovered, I say we, I mean America. We recovered um, downed German planes and found parts that seemed to be impossible to make. Hmm. So what they found was essentially like, um, if you can imagine the, the chassis of a, of a plane without the, without, I mean, you know, without, the skin, without the skin on it. There's like these arches that are made, right? And they're kind of like riveted or whatever together. Well, these arches were these like big, basically frame pieces, if you can imagine, of, of, a, of the plane were one piece. And they're huge. I mean, they're like, you know, the width and height of the entire plane. So are we talking chassis. about like a, like a fighter plane or are we talking about yeah, like a... Yeah, yeah, a fighter plane. Like a, okay. the, I forget what it was called. The, the German, the famous German fighter plane. Measuresmith? Measurement. There you go. The Messerschmitt. Um, they were one piece, and nobody could figure out how they were made. They're like, "What? Like this is impossible. Like you couldn't have made this with our technology." Well, that's because the Germans are amazing engineers. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. And they had made these gigantic. We didn't find them until later. These gigantic presses. These like hundred and twenty ton, like huge metal presses where they put this hot metal ingot into it and smash it down into one big piece. And like, it, like basically just cookie cutter, here's your one piece. And after that, after like we found that, we discovered and like, then we started building all these giant, huge presses. And there's like still one it being used and it's like everybody- To make replacement yeah, parts? Yeah, to make, to make pla- to, no, to make like new parts for new things. Like they're still using like these huge, giant, like building sized steam powered presses to okay. to manufacture stuff it's, it's a really fascinating video you should go it watch just it just generated so much pressure that it was it could do things that yeah it's like good. a giant forging that can make a part that was the size of a car essentially you mm-hmm. know what I mean yeah. in one go you know right. um, and so that that's what that's what I immediately thought of when you talked about this high pressure you know cast aluminum thing oh, is like I got you is like th- that's exactly was... that's exactly the kind of part that this press was made to make I was and, wondering where this was going. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's I kind of we kind of got derailed a little bit, but uh, but that's exactly the kind of thing that was in that we like discovered because of we found yeah. you know downed measurements in in the forties. You know, so it's like, what you're saying is that Germany had an Area 51 before we did. <laughs> they had they had a skunk works <laughs> because I mean like when like I mean sixties uh, seventies maybe whenever it was that. They talk about the UFO landing in Roswell. 
fifties. I don't. In New Mexico, and then they talk about like the the technological age where like that things are. Yes, like, seventy one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but just like where where technology has been exploding, and so, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's interesting to me because. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. I always assumed that we were like the technological leaders of no. the world, besides like maybe Japan in the, the early 1900s. The the Nazis were already experimenting with jet planes at the end of World War II. They hadn't implemented them yet, but they had functioning test jet wow. planes, which okay. was like it took us like another six years to do. Way ahead of us. last time we recorded I told a story about autocrossing in Miata mm. and I said have chicane, you I said chicane time uh, talking yeah first of all have you actually autocrossed ever one time twice really was it twice was it twice yeah it was two testing tunes ah. but where was I for these I don't know okay. we, we swapped having kids or something it was, it was like one of those days where having kids wow thanks guy <laughs> I think it was before <laughs> no it was it was a yeah, while was, ago yeah. it should have been it was a while ago because the even your red Miata was way before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, when you got the purple Miata. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I Anyways, you. all right. So continue. So I, I was, I told a story about going through the last turn, which is a very sharp turn. And I said right before that was the chicane. What I meant was slalom. Mm. I think oh. that I, I think that I communicated that that was what I was talking about, but I said I used the word chicane. Mm. Um, but it was, it was the slalom. So it was, I, I, I was in that car. It was a very slow entry into the slalom and then i could pick up speed in the slalom mm. that wasn't like a slowdown point of the course so i come out of the slalom going fast nice in, in air quotes going fast yeah. and then yeah, just well. like plow straight through the last like super hard left yeah. turn inside a tiny little box as well, fast as a miata does yeah well, well the reason that's why i used that's yeah. why i used air quotes the reason they put those really tight turns close to the end is so you're going slow through the timer and you don't yeah. hit it. i understand yeah. i i absolutely understand i just was not a good enough driver to have come out like the transition was very quick and i couldn't i couldn't do the downshift and be on the brakes and you know, make it to the and I just, right. I did it like three times, just plow through the entire row of cones. As I recall, both of those events that you yeah. brought your Miata to, I believe you beat my time by like at least 0. 0.2 of a second. I definitely did my first one, yeah. my very first event. And we were both on the same tires. We were both yeah. on the Dunlop Dereza DZ 102s or 101s. That would have been 101s at that point, yeah, yeah for sure. 